I want to share a few thoughts this morning on faithfulness. Particularly, I want to look at how we can be faithful in our walks with Jesus. How do we stick close to him no matter what life throws at us? And I want you to imagine if I say what a faithful person looks like, who are the kind of people that come to your mind? So you might think of footballers like Paul Scholes or Jamie Carragher who were like one club footballers. They stayed with the same team with varying degrees of success. You may think of people like Samwise Gamgee from Lord of the Rings who stuck, out, stuck it out with Frodo on the way to Mount Doom as they took the one ring to destroy it. One of the people that comes to mind for me is the late queen. Don't, don't know if you remember, but when she passed away, one of the tributes, or many of the tributes that came coming in, were talking about her as a faithful servant of this country and the Commonwealth. And one of the reasons I think we admire people like this is because we recognize that very few people fit into this category for us. It's incredibly rare. And in our own lives, we may think of a parent, we may think of a grandparent or a sibling, a close friend who we grew up with, people who have been in our lives for a long time. When we think of faithful people, we think of people who are reliable, who we can depend on, who are there when we need them, who are steadfast and stand with us in the highs and the lows of life. And I like to think of these people as like anchors. The wind and waves uh, come and blows on us in life, but they remain steadfast and stick with us throughout it all. And my hope is that one day when I get to the end of my life, that is what people would say of me in my walk with Jesus, that I was a faithful follower of him. No matter what life threw at me, I remained next to him and close to him. But before I share a few thoughts on how we can be faithful followers of Jesus, the first thing I want us to understand is that faithfulness, first and foremost, is not what we do for God. It's about who he is to us. To learn how to be faithful, we must first look at the one who is faithful. And one of my favorite pictures of this in uh, scriptures, it comes from the story of a guy called Hosea. Now, Hosea... Uh, is from the Old Testament. At this point, he's God's go-to guy in the kingdom of Israel. He, um, and one day, God comes along and says, Hosea, you've been single for far too long. I'm gonna find you a wife. And you can imagine Hosea being like, great, God's gonna be my wingman here. This is gonna be, this is gonna be good for me. So you can imagine his mind racing to the kind of person that he's gonna be presented with. And God says to him, I've been searching far and wide. I've searched all the dating apps and I found the one for you. And Hosea's like, great, who is it? Tell me about this girl. And God says, well, her name is Goma. And you can imagine Hosea being like, okay, not heard of her. Like, tell me a little bit about her. And the Lord says, well, there are many great qualities about Goma, but the only one you need to know and the only one I'm gonna mention in scripture is she's a rather promiscuous woman. And you can imagine, can't you, the kind of step back Hosea would have taken. And um, God, God replies that basic, basically, oh, and just so you know, she will cheat on you. She is gonna be unfaithful. She will run away with another lover and get into loads of debt. But you're gonna marry her anyway, otherwise I'm canceling the book deal we have. And imagine how you would feel. That was a niche Bible joke, thank you for the three last. Um, <laughs> And you can imagine, can't you? Imagine standing there on your wedding day, looking at the person you're about to, ma about to marry. You're all suited and booted, or you're in your white dress. You're looking eye to eye with the person and knowing 
that they're going to be unfaithful to you. How would you feel in that moment? But Hosea does exactly that. They get married, they have a couple of kids, and Goma runs away and does exactly what God says she will do. And she makes a huge mess of her life. And it's at this point, God comes back to Hosea and says, despite the fact that Goma was unfaithful, go find her, pay off the debt that she owes, and recommit yourself to her. And even in the midst of all those messy emotions, the pain, the hurt, the feelings of betrayal, feeling abandoned, Hosea goes and does exactly what God asks of him. He goes and finds his wife and rededicates his love and faithfulness to her. And what I love about this story is in all its messiness, in all the heartache, I love that this is a picture of how God loves his people. This is how he loves me. This is how he loves you. This is how he loves the church. And if you're anything like me and you've grown up watching superhero movies, the temptation is for us to put ourselves into the hero uh, picture of the story. But I'm going to break this to you gently. We are the Goma in this story. And in Scripture, we see the people of God uh, walking away many times. The people of Israel make an agreement with God that, they would be, that God will be the only God they worship. And, but time and time again, they put their faith in other gods. And in one instance, they put their faith in a golden calf, which they themselves have made, even though God has literally just saved them from slavery in Egypt. To, they were unfaithful to him. And even today, we're guilty of doing this. We, the, the people uh, of God now, can do the same. Perhaps one of the most subtle and dangerous ways we do it is when we put too much faith in ourselves and our own way of thinking Anyone else guilty of thinking if everyone else just thought like me, the world would be all good? Yeah, just me. But when we do this, although it can be subtle, what we're doing here is taking God off his rightful place and putting ourselves there instead. We're taking the trust away from him and instead we're putting ourselves there. We're thinking that we have all the answers. But the story of Hosea is a picture that tells us that no matter how unfaithful we are, how many times we've walked away, no matter what we've done wrong in our lives, God remains faithful to us. He recommits his love to us over and over again. His mercies are new to us every morning. Being faithful to us is not something he does reluctantly, it's who he is. And when we experience a love like this, when we begin to understand deep down the cost that someone is willing to pay to continue to love us, you can't help but begin to love them back. And it's out of that love we will want to please him. Uh, many of you know uh, my wife, Hannah, who's sat in the corner over there. Now, Hannah is a massive F1 fan, Formula One, which is um, it's a big thing in our house. And most weekends are filled up with, we basically don't go out because we're watching coverage of the race. You're lucky she's here because there's not a race on. Um, but, but when we first started dating, I was not really interested in watching Formula One at all. And I thought, like many of you might think, that basically Formula One is a bunch of rich boys driving fast cars around in a circle, which it is, but it's far more interesting than that. And, um, and, but Hannah wanted me to watch this show with her called Drive to Survive. Anyone heard of this? It's on Netflix. Basically, if you don't know, it's a documentary series about Formula One. You follow it round and you have interviews with the drivers and the teams and it makes, it's cut all in a way that makes it very dramatic and exciting. And I said yes to make Hannah feel happy and because I want, even though I wasn't particularly interested. 
What I didn't expect was just how invested I would become. So I want you to watch a little video for me. That's my voice. So that is me with my little sunburnt face in head-to-toe uh, Ferrari gear, screaming my little head off as my favorite driver wins his first race. Does that look like a guy who's no longer invested? <laughs> no. Um, how did this happen? It all started with me wanting to please my wife. I said yes to something uh, because she loved it, and over time I found it wasn't as bad as I thought, and eventually I began to love the same thing. It no longer bothers me that we barely have a social life because we're too busy watching TV on the weekend. It no longer bothers me the amount of money F1 merch costs. However, but it's no longer a sacrifice because I've learned to love what she loves. So how do we become a bride that pleases God well? And I wanna suggest a couple of practical things that I think might help us on that journey. A couple of questions we can ask ourselves um, in, in order to hopefully steer us back towards him. So my first question is this. What do we do in secret that's just for God? Now, our culture is one where we basically believe if we haven't posted it online, did it really happen? Probably not. And uh, in such a connected world, our lives have become more intertwined than ever before. And... The, our public image has become even more important than ever before. And we, because of this, we place a huge emphasis on making our public image the best it can be. The classic example being Instagram, where we only post the times we go on holiday, or the time we look our best, or the most interesting thing we're doing. Or there's this app called Be Real. I don't know if many of you have heard of this. So for those of you who don't know, Be Real is an app that goes off at a random point in the day. You take a picture of you and your immediate surroundings, and it's meant to be a way of showing a bit more of an honest reflection of life. So to prove this to you, I've, got, I've had the team send in a couple of the pictures that they've taken over the last couple of months. So this is Rosie and B doing the Easter egg shop. Next one. This is Josh Bragg after he uh, had climbed Snowden with some of his connect group. This is Johnny getting his car fixed. <laughs> this is me and Ben in our office. And then uh, that's all good. Um, but what you'll find is, even on Be Real, there is now this underground culture which I'm picking up on, where Be Real will go off and some people will wait because they know they've got something more interesting happening later in the day. So here is me being very real in the centre of Watford with my wife. <laughs> Obviously not true. Um, and, but there is something in all of us that just wants people to see the best version of us, isn't there? And we can do this with our faith. I remember one new year, I took up this challenge to basically read a book of the Old Testament every week until it was done. And because I am a deeply humble person and I care nothing about what people think of me, um, I wouldn't say outright, I've read 39 books of the Old Testament in 39 weeks. I would slip it gently into conversation. So I would start sentences like, when I was reading Leviticus this morning, or... <laughs> I would start it by saying, as I was reading my 20 Psalms this morning, and 
I'm here to encourage you to talk about your faith. That's a good thing. What the problem is with that is that wasn't for Jesus' glory. That was to make me look good. That wasn't for him. It was for me. And Jesus loves it when we do things just for him. In Matthew 6, it says this, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues on the streets to be honoured by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. In other words, when we've had a good week and we've read our Bible every day, we don't need to boast about it. When we've given money to someone in the streets in the middle of Watford, we don't need to tell everyone what a wonderful person we are. If we're fasting from social media, we don't need to put a post up to let everyone know that we're fasting from social media. When we've reached out to a friend to comfort them in a time of trouble, we don't need to let everyone know how amazing we are. Don't do these things so we get the glory. Instead, Jesus says, do it for him. Being faithful isn't just about doing the things we think we should so we look like good Christians. Being faithful is about doing those things for the right person. If I'm the best husband in the world publicly in front of all of you, loving my wife really well, but when I go home, I ignore her and I don't speak to her. If I ignore her... Um, does that make me a good husband? No, because what happens in private matters just as much as what is public. And in the same way, what we do in private in our relationship with Jesus matters just as much as what we do in church. And trust me, I'm talking to myself here because even as I was preparing this, I know that inside I was like, I'm not sure when the last thing, what the last thing I did was just to be close to him. So if you're feeling like that, don't worry, we're in it together. But we do all of this so that we can be close to him. So what do we do in secret that's just for God? Number two, what do we do when things are hard? Every single one of us in this room will have something difficult we are going through. Whether it's the stuff going on here, whether it's stuff to do with our finances, stress at work, there may be people in your life who are suffering with illness, you may be suffering with illness yourself. We all know that these things will come our way, but it doesn't make it any easier when we're actually going through it. And Jesus says in John 16, in this world we will have trouble. Hard stuff is going to happen. It will come our way. But then he goes on to say this, but take heart, I have overcome the world. When we're bogged down in the mess of everyday life, when we, all we can see is the ground right before us and, and no further, what being faithful can look like in those moments is choosing to place our trust back in him again. And Jesus loves it when we do it. There's a story in Matthew 15 about a lady from a place called Cana. And she's quite a significant character when, when you zoom in a little bit on the story because 
she's female, she wasn't Jewish, and basically what that meant was the people at the time thought that what Jesus was doing wasn't for her. She was excluded from that. And there would have been a lot of people who believed she had no right to even be near him. But she chases after Jesus in this story um, because her child is demon-possessed and is said to be suffering greatly. And the disciples are getting a little bit frustrated with her and telling Jesus to send her away. She's bugging us. And then Jesus says no. She welcomes the woman toward, he welcomes the woman towards her, him, and and they have this strange conversation about dogs eating the crumbs from their master's table. And Timothy Keller describes it basically as, the reason she's doing that is basically a, a wrestling match between her and Jesus and not taking no for an answer. Jesus doesn't shut this woman down. Instead, he is really impressed and says, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter is healed in that moment. She came to him in her desperation in her hurt, in her fear and anxiety for her daughter, probably feeling insecure, like she shouldn't be there, but knowing that Jesus was the person who could help her. And Jesus loves it, he calls it great faith. And one of the ways we can stick close to Jesus, one of the ways we can remain faithful to him, is when things in our lives become difficult, we bring them to him. Jesus loves it when in spite of all the baggage we carry, all the things we think would keep us away, we bring our troubles to him. Cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. We may try and disqualify ourselves, recounting all the things we've done wrong in our lives and all the things we haven't done that are good. But he is the faithful God who recommits his love to us over and over again. And he longs to draw, for us to draw close to him. When times of challenge come our way, we can provide... We, it can provoke big emotions in us, fear, anger, envy. We can doubt or become insecure, and sometimes we just fall into sheer desperation. Sometimes we struggle to bring this stuff to him because we feel like we should have been able to figure it out on our own. You know, if I was strong enough, we could endure it. If I was smart enough, I could have fixed it. If I was focused or disciplined enough, it may not have even been happening in the first place. But the reality is, a lot of what life throws at us, we can't control. What we can control is how we respond to those things. And I love uh, a quote from Lord of the Rings where Frodo has just realized that he's got the one ring. And he is starting to panic at this point because he's really realizing the magnitude of the task before him. And he's speaking to Gandalf, the wise wizard, and says this, I wish it, I wish it need not have happened in my time, said Frodo. So do I, said Gandalf, and so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to do is decide what to do with the time that is given to us. And placing our faith and trust back in him is a choice. And often it can be a very conscious and deliberate one. Uh, two years ago, my, my dad passed away. And for anyone who has experienced grief, you will know it's, it can be a destabilizing time. And after my dad passed, I realized I had a whole bunch of questions for God uh, that I needed to work through. Did I really believe that we would go to heaven when we died? How could he let this happen? Could I have done something that would have made a difference in all of this? Did I make the most of the time I had with him? And for a good period of time, I had a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear for the future, and I was feeling a heck of a lot of pain. 
And I had to make a conscious choice to take my fear, my doubts, my worries, and hand them back over to him and physically place my trust back in him. So uh, what I do when these feelings arise is something that I was taught a couple, a couple of years ago where I imagine all these big feelings and all, all, the, all the things that are going on and I place them in this imaginary box. I take that box and I leave it in my mind at the foot of the cross. And there are days, there were days where I was doing this multiple times a day. Those feelings would arise in the box to the cross. And over time, this became less and less. But there are days where it still continues. It's still an ongoing battle. Father's Day was just last week. Those big feelings in the box to the cross. And, and I know he loves it when I do it because it's part of me drawing closer to him. It's how I, I get closer to Jesus. Even though it's a difficult choice to do it. So the first question was, what do we do in secret that's just for God? The second one, what do we do when things are hard? The final one is this, whose voice matters most in my life? We don't have to look very far in our world to find, uh, find anything that tells us that the only person we need to impress in life is ourselves. Our westernized culture that is so pro-individualism uh, would make us think that we should put ourselves first and everything else second. And whether we think this is a good mentality or not, there's a real seduction to it. Because on the good side, it's about boundaries and being accountable to yourself and not burning out. But on the negative side, it, it, um, it can cover up selfishness within us, entitlement, and it can stop us from loving people the way we should because it becomes an inconvenience to us. And as Christians, if we try and take this way of thinking and try and figure out how can I put myself first while also following what the scripture says, the reality is we're not gonna be able to do it. We can't squeeze that mentality to fit in the same box because what God asks of us is for us to put him first. Now remember, we are not in the business of serving a God so that we fill a quota and earn our way in. It's not how this works. And he is still that faithful God who loves us even in our darkest moments. But remember that image that we are his bride. We want to be people that please him. And to do that, we have to place him as Lord and King of our lives. How we do that is by following what he says. He loves it when we do what he asks. In John 14, Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands. Obeying him is how we show our love for him. And this is really not easy. Our culture is not set up uh, to help us in this kind of thinking. And it's really hard and tiring for us to swim in the opposite direction to what it feels like the rest of the current is doing. And if we're gonna make his voice the most important one in our lives, it may mean we have to give up control of what we think our lives should look like and might even lead us into some uncomfortable and even vulnerable situations. We may have to do some things we don't know what the outcome will be. We don't know whether it will turn out good or bad. Like Johnny mentioned last week when he was praying for that guy in B&Q, when he stepped out, he didn't know what that guy would say. But the important part is he stepped out. We may have to do the things that we don't necessarily agree with or fully understand why we should do them. Some of the teaching in scripture is so hard to understand. And it may involve in, uh, in cost in our time, 
in our resources, maybe even put a strain on some of our emotions or relationships. Not everyone will understand why we do what we do or our motives behind it. And in a world where I am the master of my own destiny, it's really hard to let control go and freely hand that stuff over and walk into those uncomfortable spaces. But the important part is he is the one who says it. And one of the questions I would be asking at this point is, okay, but how do I know it's him? How do I know when it's God's voice and not just my own? And we could do a whole talk on that, and maybe that's for another time, but I think some really simple markers could be, does it sound like the God we read in Scripture, read about in Scripture? Is it loving? Does it point us closer to Jesus? I think if we do anything that fits that criteria, we won't be too far away from the mark. But faithfulness will look like putting his way first. And how this plays out in our day-to-day will vary according to whatever is going on in our lives. It may look like in a world where success by any means necessary is seen as the norm, even if it means tearing other people down or exploiting others, we instead treat people with kindness, dignity, and respect, even if it means we don't get ahead of the game. It may mean that when that one person in the office is being spoken badly of behind everyone's, behind their backs, we speak up for them and we speak kindly to them. Do I really believe that the words in scripture are the words that lead me towards life in all its fullness? Or do I only see them as rules that restrict my freedom and restrict my fun? If we wanna be faithful, his way has to come first. So what do we do in secret that's just for God? What do we do when things get hard and whose voice matters most in my life? And just before I finish, the temptation is you listen to those questions and for the next week, you try and fulfill all of those and we, we get slightly disappointed when uh, we don't quite match up. If you're anything like me, it doesn't even last a Monday morning before I, I'd start to trip up. Um, but this is not about keeping up with a set of rules. We can never keep up with that expectation. Remember, he chooses us even though we mess up. He loves us when we don't show our love for him His love remains as deep for me whenever I do well or fail miserably. He is a faithful God who recommits himself to us day after day. But instead, this is about helping us draw close to our Heavenly Father. My hope is that these questions wouldn't be ones that sit judgment over us, but they would instead be questions that point us back towards him. Questions that help guide our prayers and help us call out to him to work in us and through us for his presence to be really tangible in our lives. For us to reach out and say, Lord, my outward life does not reflect my inner life. Please help me. Holy Spirit, I need you with me in my time of trouble. Let me know you're there. Jesus, I've tried to go my own way and it hasn't worked. Help me follow yours. Father, I wanna be close to you. Will you show me the way? Amen.